Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this day that the Lord has granted to us. We have a special treat this morning. Normally, you know, my welcome announcement would just kind of extend right on into the service. Uh, but we do have the great joy of having our children's choir who has prepared uh, a piece for this morning. And they're going to share that with us at this time. So we now turn our attention to the praise of God as it is brought to our Lord from our children. We give thanks to God for both the gift of children and the gift of music this day. Well, we've come to the 23rd Sunday after Trinity, and as we've done here for the last week since the beginning of the school year, we're going to start our time in Luther's small catechism. So I'll turn your attention to the back of the bulletin there, the back cover, where we have today the close of the commandments and its meaning. What is the close of the, or what does God say about all these commandments? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and not do anything against them. But he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep these commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands. As we turn our attention to the readings in the service, I'll have you now open the, your bulletin to the inside of the back cover where we have that focused on Christ section. When confronted with the civic duty of paying taxes, our Lord Jesus, who is wisdom incarnate, walked in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, and discerned that wisdom is better than jewels and better than gold, even fine gold. When we set our minds on earthly things, such as wealth and passing glory, our end is destruction. However, our humble and prudent Lord has rendered to God the things that are God's, namely perfect fear, love, and trust, as well as the complete sacrifice for our sin. In so doing, he also rendered to Caesar the things of honor and justice, submitting to the law of the land that put him on the cross. The true riches and honor are with him, because enduring wealth and righteousness are found in our heavenly citizenship, from which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ." He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We rejoice as we will receive the Lord's body and blood this day as he comes to us and gives us his flesh and blood in and under bread and wine. And in accordance with his word, he would bid us be in unity as we come before the altar to receive this gift, not just concerning the supper itself, but in all that we believe, teach, and confess as Christians. Therefore, we ask that all those joining us at the altar for the Lord's Supper this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod joining us in that one common orthodox confession of the Christian faith. Our divine service this day is divine service setting three as it begins on page 184. We now sing the first hymn. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. 
The Old Testament reading for the 23rd Sunday after Trinity is from Proverbs chapter 8. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom, I have insight, I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 3. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the fourth commandment, we're taught to honor our father and our mother. And there's a promise attached to this commandment that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. The authority of the father and the mother in the home is the foundation for every other kind of human authority. This means that we honor our fathers and mothers when we honor those who serve in the government. Here in America, we're taught that the government derives its just power to govern from the consent of the governed. The people have the right to choose their own government. The slogan, no taxation without representation, 
inspired a generation of Americans to cast off the British crown and to establish the free and independent United States of America. They gave us a constitution with a bill of rights. We cherish our rights as Americans and we honor those who fight for our country. But what if the government gives you no voice and no vote? What if it doesn't respect your God-given rights? Do you still have to obey it? Do you still have to pay your taxes? Jesus says yes. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Christ's apostles teach us to honor the government as we would honor servants of God. St. Paul writes in Romans 13, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Jesus told his disciples to give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. St. Paul, Christ's apostle, told the Christians in Rome to pay their taxes because the government officials are God's servants. The apostle St. Peter, he said the same thing. The government that our Lord and his apostles said should be honored was not made up of Christians. It actively promoted idolatry, that is, false worship. In that fact, we see the old adage proven true, what is old becomes new again. But of course, the penchant to idolatry is nothing new in human nature, but we do see it flaring up, especially in our own country now. You see, this is why the Pharisees asked Jesus if it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar. They were trying to trap the Lord in his words. If Jesus said, no, you should not pay taxes to Caesar, then he'd make himself guilty of sedition, that is treason, against the government. On the other hand, if he said, yes, you should pay taxes to Caesar, <clears throat> he would be saying that they should honor a man who had set himself up as a god. By the way, that's what Caesar did. He claimed to be a god and thus demanded homage be paid to him as a god. This included acts of worship, worship such as burning a pinch of incense to Caesar. Knowing this, it begs the question, how could any god-fearing person pay Caesar tribute? Well, Jesus showed the Pharisees their hypocrisy and he silenced them by asking, asking them to show him the coin that was used to pay Caesar. It was a denarius, which is about a day's wage. Jesus asked them whose image and inscription were on the coin that they were carrying around. Caesar's, they said. Well, since Caesar claimed to be a god, the Pharisees who had set out to trap Jesus in his words ended up entrapping themselves. They were walking around with idols in their pockets. Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Dear saints, the civil government is established by God himself. 
Now, this doesn't mean that God is an American or that he subscribes to the American Constitution. If we were able to get a, a peek at the throne of Jesus right now, he would not have an American flag sitting next to his throne, nor would he have on the opposite side a bald eagle. It's not the way it works. God's word doesn't teach us what kind of government should be established among us. The Bible teaches us that whoever the governing authorities are, they're God's servants, and they do what they do as representatives of God. If a man commits a crime, for instance, like robbing a store or carjacking someone, and he's caught by the police, prosecuted, found guilty, and imprisoned, it is God who is punishing that person for his crime. God works through means. He doesn't rain bread from heaven as he did in Moses' day with the manna in the wilderness. He causes the crops to grow, to be harvested, processed, marketed, bought, prepared, and served. Hence your morning toast or bagel. Through these means, God feeds us with our daily bread. In the same way, God does not work out justice on earth directly, but rather through means. Since God works through sinful people, well, then the justice is not perfect. The civil authorities in this world can only bring an approximation of justice. The rich usually get better justice than the poor. No surprise there. We haven't ever seen perfect justice, but we have seen what happens in countries where the civil authorities lose their ability to govern. Where there's no government able to punish criminals, protect lives and property, the strong and the brutal, they tyrannize and they rule over the weak. Just look at the vicious savagery that has descended upon countries in the Middle and Near East. In these areas of the world, there is no viable civil government to stand in the way of the wicked, and so the weak suffer. The strong prey upon the weak with impunity. Even when the government is incompetent and corrupt and led by vain fools, it is better to have law and order than to live in an untamed, lawless jungle. So we give to Caesar what is his. We pay our taxes, we obey the law, some taxes are unfair, and some laws, quite frankly, are stupid. We pay unfair taxes, we obey stupid laws, because God wants us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. There can be no law and order if everyone chooses for himself which laws to obey and which taxes to pay. Without law and order, our lives, our property, and even our children are at risk. Obedience to the government is one way to show love to the neighbor. Give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And dear saints, we must remember, give to God what is God's. You see, much to our relief, there is a line that Caesar may not cross. The authority of the state is limited, not by the state, but by God himself. I said not by the state, but by God, because the only legitimate authority that the state has is the authority which God gives it. God grants the state authority over the body, but not over the soul. God permits the state to tax us, to punish lawbreakers, to wage just wars, and to do other things that may burden our bodies with obligations that we are bound to fulfill. But God does not permit the state to lay any burden on our souls. The power of the state is to make people do what they don't want to do. That is its authority. It is coercive. It doesn't make the unwilling willing. It requires the unwilling to obey or to pay the price. This is not so with God's kingdom. The kingdom that Christ established does not rely upon coercion. God's kingdom does not depend on force. God's kingdom does not make anybody do anything he does not want to do. Instead, the authority of God's kingdom, exercised by the Holy Spirit, 
is to make the unwilling willing. God does not force anyone into his kingdom. The power of God's kingdom does not come from swords, gun, guns, policemen, or laws. It comes from the crucifixion of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now Pontius Pilate, if you think back to him for a moment, he may have been a religious cynic and a slimy politician, but there are two things that he said that are worth listening to. First, he said he found no fault in Jesus, and that is profound. Second, he ordered a sign to be placed over Jesus while he was being crucified, written in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew that said, this is the king of the Jews. Now, when the Jewish leaders objected and argued that Jesus only claimed to be the king of the Jews, Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. Pilate didn't understand the significance of identifying Jesus as the king of the Jews, where Jesus was suffering and dying on the cross. But then the civil authorities rarely understand the significance of what they say and what they do. God was in control. God identified Jesus as king precisely where Jesus was gaining the authority to rule over his kingdom, a crucified and yet victorious king. You see, the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom over which Jesus is the king, does not rely on swords, guns, or weapons of any kind. God's kingdom relies upon the power of Christ's suffering and death. Who is he who suffers on the cross? Is he not our God come to earth for this very purpose? Is he not our brother, offering up to God the obedience that no earthly government succeeded in procuring? Compare the two kingdoms, dear saints in Christ. The civil powers that rely on forcing obedience out of the unwilling, they cannot make anyone righteous. They can only punish the bad guys. They cannot make them good. But the spiritual authority of Jesus is to do what the civil powers cannot do. Jesus makes sinners into saints. This is what God is in the business of doing. We meditated upon this reality when we celebrated Reformation Day and also All Saints Day. God makes saints out of lowly, despised sinners. Thanks be to God. See, our Lord Jesus does this by doing the good deeds that sinners could not do, giving them the credit for his perfect obedience to the law, and then suffering the punishment for the sins that they did, that we did, thus taking that punishment away from them, away from us. Jesus obeys. Jesus suffers. That gives him the authority to forgive us all our sins. That gives him the authority to rule over us, not by coercion, not by force, not by threats, but by grace. We are saved by God's grace, through faith in Christ, for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Savior. The civil government can make rules for our bodies, even when they go to extremes in imposing burdensome laws that are neither necessary nor beneficial. We Christians submit to them out of reverence for Christ. But for the sake of peace with our neighbors, we obey an unreasonable government. But we don't, and this is significant, we do not permit any human government to govern our consciences, to teach us right from wrong, or to rule our souls. We saw what happened when the government tried to do this during the pandemic. We see it now as the government, corrupted by demonic lies, tries to rewrite, rewrite the basic biological facts of male and female. Where and when the government would attempt to force us to sin, we must resist. Where and when the government would attempt to force Christians to blaspheme God, to harm our neighbor, or deny the truth of God's holy word, we must resist. 
and commenting on Jesus' words, therefore rendered to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, Martin Luther wrote the following. He said, The soul is not under the authority of Caesar. He can neither teach it, that is, the soul, nor guide it, neither kill it nor give it life, neither bind it nor loose it, neither judge it nor condemn it, neither hold it fast nor release it. We honor our veterans, it's good for us to keep in mind that the freedom for which America has fought can never be anything more than tentative and temporary. Now that is not meant to sound flippant or ungrateful. It's just the fact that our freedom depends on deterring. It depends on force of arms. It depends on deterring those who would do our nation harm. It cannot change the hearts of our adversaries, cannot change a single human heart. But Christ's kingdom does precisely that. God changes our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. God turns sinners into saints by a twofold miracle. First, he forgives us all our sins and reckons us to be righteous for Christ's sake. This makes us saints in the eyes of God. Second, in holy baptism, he fills us with the Holy Spirit who moves us to willingly do what the civil power can only prod us to do against our will. But instead of mere outward obedience to the civil law, the Holy Spirit changes our desires and our wills so that we willingly obey from the heart God's law. He who bore the burden of our sin on the cross says to us, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Dear saints, there will come a time when America will fall, as all nations before her have fallen. By God's mercy, may none of us, our children or our children's children, ever live to see this, but the Church of Jesus Christ will never fall. She will abide forever, governed not by force of arms, but by the Holy Spirit who calls us by the gospel, enlightens us with his gifts, and sanctifies and keeps us in the one true faith. St. Paul, he encourages us today with this very truth as he wrote, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For faith in the plans God has set for us, that we may leave the future to his care and walk wisely in his heavenly way while yet on earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For God's blessing upon his pastors as they lead steadfast and holy lives, that each in his own vocation may follow after them in the way of Christ the Savior, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our homes, that they may rest on godly wisdom, which humbles us and turns us from evil and pride, and that our children may abound in fruitful, godly lives, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our governors, that they may be inspired by Solomon's wisdom to decree justice and relegate every pride and evil from our land, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a right heart that treasures the Lord's word above money, that we may render both our taxes and our tithes with thanksgiving as citizens of earth and heaven, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the needy, especially Norma Horine, Helen Tate, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, let us pray to the Lord. For the faithful reception of the Lord's body and blood, that all who partake of this blessed gift trust not in man's wisdom, nor the reason of the flesh, but in Christ's sure word alone, let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for God's saints, whom he, has, whom he has held out for us as icons and examples, that as true citizens of heaven with them, we may increase in faith, love, and hope. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord Heavenly Father, that which our flesh desires cannot compare with your gift of wisdom. Preserve us from treasuring the jewels and riches of this life. Instead, let us place our trust in the priceless treasure of your Son, even Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Once again, good morning and welcome to you all. Uh, God's richest blessings to you as you go into the week knowing that you belong to God. And he has placed his image and inscription on you as you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you belong to him who has redeemed you by his blood. Go in that peace and confess his name as he gives you opportunity in your vocations. Uh, the announcements that we do have this week, I'll commend those to you. We've seen them uh, the past couple of weeks here, so please take note especially of the Thanksgiving service at 7 p.m. on November 22nd. I'll greet you at the door.